British renowned for? Now, there may be many things that come to mind, but I'm thinking in particular of the Brit's ability to cue. It's an art that everyone's had to learn during the coronavirus pandemic, with queuing to get into shops and just about everywhere. But my mind is taken back to 2009. It was a year when a certain person, very close to my heart, turned 40. And so we had a family holiday to a certain Disney theme park. Being British, we went and we stood in queues. But the whole queuing system didn't seem to work over there. People just walked in front of you and they just did it without thinking, with gay abandon. Now, they say that confession is good for the soul. And we had been queuing to get on the cars that the boys could drive. They were going to drive mum and dad um, around. And we had been queuing for a long time. Seeing the faces of the boys getting longer and longer as time passed, I decided to take action. And so we all held hands and stood in a chain right across the pathway so that no one could pass us. Bad, aren't I? But that did make me think about our Bible reading for today. Our reading is a parable which is only found in Matthew's Gospel. It's not in any of the other three Gospels. Like in all parables though, Jesus tells a story about normal, everyday things. Daily things in the life of the people who were listening to him. He paints a picture of the social situation of his time in which the listeners recognise themselves. At the same time, in the story of this parable, there are things which never take place in the reality of the life of the people. Because in speaking about the landowner, Jesus thinks about God, about his father. This is why in the story of the parable of the workers in the vineyard, the landowner does things which are surprising and which are unlikely to take place in the daily life of the listeners. So let's see if we can get the message of this parable for us today. The opening verses of our reading said, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner going out at daybreak to hire workers for his vineyard. He made an agreement with the workers for one denarius a day and sent them to his vineyard. This is how the story begins and, in all honesty, it speaks for itself without needing much else said. The landowner goes out and finds workers for his vineyard. Work was scarce at the time, which was why men would go out early into the main squares and hope to be hired for a day's work. What follows, though, with the landowner going out four further times uh, to call other workers to go and work in his vineyard is perhaps unusual. So a synopsis of the story is that the landowner himself goes out personally five times to contract workers. When he contracts the workers, he fixes the salary only for the first group, one denarius a day. To those of nine o'clock in the morning, he says, I will give you what is just, what is fair. With the others, he doesn't fix anything. He contracted them only to work in his vineyard. And at the end of the day, when it was the time to pay the workers, the landowner orders the foreman to carry out this service of paying the workers. 
but it was a strange way of fixing the accounts at the end of the day. When it was evening, the landowner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first ones. Here, at the end of the day, when it's time to settle the accounts, something strange takes place. Something that wouldn't normally happen in real life. It seems that things are inverted. Things have been switched about. The foreman begins to pay those who were contracted just an hour before. The salary is the same for all, one denarius, as it was agreed with the first ones who were contracted at the beginning of the day. When the first came, they expected to get more, but they too received one denarius each. Why does the landowner act like that? If you were in his position, would you do the same? It is precisely in this surprising gesture of the landowner that the key to understanding this parable is hidden. Having been working hard, I guess those workers would have finished for the day expecting the pay they'd been promised and would have gone away tired but happy. I might think that would be the normal reaction of the workers, but that was before the strange ways of the landowner. The last workers get their payment first and not only that, they get the same as those contracted first. The story says that the workers began to grumble against the landowner and said, the men who came last have done only one hour and you have treated them the same as us, though we have done a heavy day's work in all the heat. In light of what happened, grumbling may well be the expected reaction of someone seemingly being treated unfairly. I think that maybe all of us would have had the same reaction and would have said the same thing to the landowner, wouldn't we? The response of the landowner to the grumbling, though, is this. My friend, I am not being unjust to you. Did we not agree on one denarius? Take your earnings and go. I choose to pay the last comer as much as I pay you. Have I no right to do what I like with my own money? Why should you be envious? Because I am generous. And this is perhaps the surprising explanation of the landowner, which gives us the key to this parable. What he says explain the attitude of the landowner and indicates the message which Jesus wants to communicate to us. The landowner was not unjust because he acts according to what he had agreed with the first group of workers, one denarius a day. It is the decision of the landowner to give to the last ones the same amount that he had agreed upon with those of the first hour. It is his decision and the workers do not have the right to complain or claim anything. Acting with justice, the landowner has the right to do what he wants with the things that belong to him. The worker, on his part, has the same right. But the last question, why should you be envious because I am generous, touches on the central point. The landowner thinks differently to the workers and so it is likened to God. God is different and his thoughts are not our thoughts. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 8 and 9 it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The background of the parable is the circumstance of time, for Jesus as well as for Matthew. The workers of the first hour are the Jewish people, called by God to work in his vineyard. They bear the weight of the day from Abraham to Moses for over 1,000 years. Now at the 11th hour, Jesus calls the Gentiles to work in his vineyard and they succeed in having the preference in the heart of God. Thus the first ones will be last and the last will be first. But so what for today? Reflecting back, the landowner surprises the workers with his attitude, but ultimately he is just and fair and everyone gets what they need. Sometimes God's action surpasses our thinking and our human way of acting. He surprises us and sometimes that is uncomfortable. Can you look back and think of a time when this has happened in your life and what lessons have you been able to learn from that? In some ways, you know, it makes me think of people who have deathbed conversions, having led a life which, let's say, stray from biblical teaching. I've heard people saying how it isn't fair that people who have led their lives according to their own rule book and then on their deathbed ask for forgiveness and receive it still then get into heaven when they have been when others have been striving their whole lives to live a good life and you know that idea makes me smile because the christian who feels aggrieved at the deathbed conversion is convinced that that new convert who has led life their own way has lived a more exciting life than they've led yet as christians we believe that living life in a relationship with god is the best life we can possibly live. When you go back to our parable, those men who got taken on at the start of the day had the whole day confident of payment at the end of the day. Whereas those men who had been stood in the square until the 11th hour had had a day of anxiety and concern because they thought they would be going home empty-handed that day. We love and serve a generous God, and I love the fact that those who are last shall be first. Instead of feeling jealous or aggrieved that people are being forgiven and getting into heaven, we should be celebrating that there is another citizen of heaven to celebrate with when that day comes. Whether we have been a Christian for years, or whether we're a baby Christian and new to the faith, be assured that God gives us all we need. In fact, I'd go further than that. He gives us more than we need. As David said in Psalm 23, our cups runneth over. When you think about it, if God only gave us what we need, how would we have anything to give away? The tagline for today is that God gives enough for our need, not our greed. So that takes us back to our attitudes, doesn't it? Let's celebrate and thank God that he gives us more than we need 
and let's celebrate that we can share that with others. Let's not be greedy and hold on to things for ourselves, but let's be thankful for a God who gives us more than enough. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are bountiful in your love for us and shower us generously with all that we need. By your grace, give us generous hearts that we may declare your goodness and offer our lives back to you in thankful worship. We, your unworthy servants, give you most humble and hearty thanks for all your goodness to us and to all people. We bless you for our creation, preservation and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And give us, we pray, such a sense of all your mercies that our hearts may be truly thankful and that we show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be your honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen.